The word of our Lord from the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high, just as many were astonished at you. So his visage was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths at him. For what had not been told them they shall see, and what they had not heard they shall consider. And who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. But surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken, and they made his grave with the wicked. But with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul. And be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and he made intercession for the transgressors. The, Lord of, the word of our Lord from the Gospel of John. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it, As it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Therefore the people who were with him, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, bore witness. And for this reason the people also met him 
because they heard that he had done this sign. But the Pharisees said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. Now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will also be. If anyone serves me, him, my father, will honor. My soul is troubled, but what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? For this very purpose I have come to this hour. Father, Glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would bless the reading of your word. We pray that you would help us to hear your voice. And we pray that our hearts would be open to what you would have for us this morning. We pray that you would speak to us and minister to us and help us to follow where you lead. In the name of your son, Jesus, our triumphant king, we pray. Amen. In the ancient world, Anything dark or eerie, mysterious, extraordinary, kind of out of this world was considered holy. So the tops of mountains were holy. The gods were holy. They were different. They were like us in many ways. But they were other. There's a question that's asked and wrestled with. It's the great question of C.S. Lewis's book, Till We Have Faces, which is a very dark, dark book. It's a retelling of an ancient myth. And the question is, why are holy places always dark places? We don't like the dark. Some of us are scared of the dark. The dark is the unknown. The dark is, is, is what we worry about. What's in the dark? We want to see, like Zacchaeus. We try to climb up trees to to see what's ahead because we want to know. But it's in the dark places that we often find knowledge is escaping us. But holy places are dark places. We like to see, and interestingly enough, a prophet in the ancient world, was considered a seer. The prophets of the Old Testament were seers into the future and also seers into the mind and heart 
of the one true God, the God who has revealed himself to his people. Now Isaiah, perhaps the greatest prophet, I don't know if you can say that. They didn't teach us in seminary if we could have a favorite prophet or the best prophet, but Isaiah is one of those. I know Dr. Oswald said if he was stuck on a stranded island, desert island, stranded on a desert island, I'll get it there. I'm having a George W. Bush moment. Um, That if he could only have one book from the Bible, he would take Isaiah. So I think I'm in good company. Isaiah, the great prophet of the Old Testament. Isaiah is wrestling with, with a theme of God being the Holy One that is in the midst of His people. The Holy One in your midst. But there's, there's, a, there's a, a, a thread that runs through this prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah is one of the, uh, the, the, the prime prophet that we lean upon when we, when we start thinking about Easter and when we start thinking about Christmas because he gives so much foretelling of the Messiah, the coming one. But that thread that runs through Isaiah about this one who's coming, about this Messiah, is filled with suffering. It's filled with service. And it's filled with sacrifice. This Holy One in your midst is one who suffers, one who serves, and one who sacrifices. The Holy One, the one who is holy, the prophets tell us, is the one who makes holy. He enters into the dark places of this world. And just by His presence in those dark places, He makes them holy. Jesus enters into the dark place of Jerusalem. And as he enters in, there are folks in the crowd who also want to see. We wish to see Jesus, some of the Greeks say to Philip. I'd like to think of Philip and Andrew kind of as they're, they're running security, uh, security detail for Jesus. You know, they're, they're kind of his, his bouncers. And so some of the Greeks come and, hey, Philip, we'd like to see Jesus. And so Philip says, well, let me... Let me confer with my associate. Goes and talks to Andrew and they then approach Jesus. And Jesus begins talking to them about suffering. And about serving. And about sacrificing. We want to see. We don't like the dark. The holy places seem to always be dark places. And so what do we see when we behold Him? When we behold Him, we see one who shares in our suffering, who shows us what it is to serve and who redeems us through sacrifice. 
We see suffering. We see serving. And we see sacrificing. You know, suffering is really a universal human predicament. We all know what it is to hurt. We all know what pain is. We know what physical pain is. We, we know what emotional pain is. We know relational pain, spiritual pain. We know what suffering is. You can't find a person alive who's never suffered. And the New Testament tells us that He was made like us in every way. And that same author, the author of the letter to the Hebrews, tells us that Jesus the Son, He was even made perfect through suffering. We call this Holy Week. Sometimes we refer to it as Passion Week. Passion. Suffering. Interestingly enough, when Jesus begins to speak to his disciples about suffering and serving and sacrificing, he does so in the context of it is time for me to be glorified. I'm struck by those beautiful words of Jesus when he kind of gets lost in his conversation with his disciples and ends up praying in the midst of it. Contemplating, what what, am I going to have come to this point and now say, Father, save me from this hour? No. The reason I came was for this hour. But then he simply says, Father, glorify your name. And the Father from heaven simply says, I both have glorified it and I will glorify it. You see, the glory of God is found in the one who takes our suffering upon himself. The glory of God is found in the fact that He is able to take our suffering and make it into a holy thing. Because His presence is there. He enters into it. We've all suffered. We've all known what it is to hurt. We've all known what it is to say goodbye. We have all known real pain. And the gospel does not dismiss that, nor does it minimize it. The gospel tells us of one who has entered into it to transform it into something that is holy.
When we behold Jesus, we see one who makes serving a holy thing by his presence. You see, he identifies with the lowly. He identifies with those that we dismiss and those we ignore and those we forget about. He identifies with them. He came to serve, not to be served, but to serve. He came to lower himself, to stoop. That's his way of doing things. And as we look ahead toward Maundy Thursday, we're reminded that he is the one who girded himself to wash feet. To do the lowest of the lowest acts of service. He makes serving a holy thing by his presence. Something that we'd like to forget about, something that we'd like to ignore or dismiss. He enters into it. When we behold him, we see one who makes sacrificing a holy thing by his presence. He identifies with the great. For only those with something to sacrifice can sacrifice. Only one with means can give of his means. On Good Friday, as we remember our Lord's death, as we break bread... And as we celebrate and thank God for the broken body and shed blood of our Redeemer, we are reminded that we were given heaven's greatest treasure. We were given the Father's very best. And we replied with an arrogant, spiteful, and murdering no thank you. Jesus takes our brokenness. He takes our twistedness. He takes our sinfulness into himself. He redeems it. And he makes us holy. See, the world says that this is foolishness. This is ridiculous. This is not the way things work. This is a denial of reality. Peace can only be found, better yet it must be forced through strength and power. We must defeat our enemies with a great show of might and the force of our wills. We must crush them. Even this very week, war is on our minds 
After all, and unfortunately, it's all over the news. The world tells us that only wimps suffer. Suffering is for the weak. Man up, we say. The world tells us that only losers serve. Service is for those who don't have a better opportunity. That's beneath you, we say. And the world tells us that only fools sacrifice. Only folks who don't realize what they could have had are willing to sacrifice. Take what's yours, we say. It's your right. what you deserve. The scriptures tell us that that was pretty much the attitude of the people of God when the Son of God came to suffer, to serve, and to sacrifice. He's a wimp a loser and a fool. The way of the cross, the way of suffering, the way of serving, the way of sacrificing. This may not be the way to build empires of this world, but it surely is the only way to build the kingdom of heaven. When we behold him, the king of glory, we see the one who turns the world upside down. The Pharisees said among themselves, we're accomplishing nothing here. We're not stopping him. The whole world has gone after him. And it may not seem today as you turn on the news and look at the newspaper and open up your Facebook feed, it may not look like the whole world's gone after him. It may look like the whole world's out to get him. But rest assured that there are people living among us and around us, people with whom we work, people who this week haven't thought a thing in the world about worshiping the Lord who this coming week might be willing to give that a try. Because the world is filled with people who are hungering and people who are thirsting. And the whole world is filled with people who recognize that the world is a dark place.
place. People who know what it is to suffer and to feel like no one's there. People who know what it is to serve and feel not quite good enough. And people who sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice and fear that no one will even notice. But we have a God who enters into that darkness with them and makes that dark place a holy place. God does not save us by staying clear of us. He does not save us from the outside. He does not save us from heaven. He saves us here on earth. He saves us from the inside of the predicament. He saves us by drawing near. And the only fitting reply that we have to give is the reply of those multitudes on that first Palm Sunday. Hosanna. Save us. Rescue us. Redeem us. Let's pray.